Welcome to the Good Rookie Show. My name is Fahim. And my name is Nelly J, y'all. And we are Good Rookie. That's right. <laughs> What's going on, everybody? Happy Good Tuesday. And guess what? It's the Good Rookie Show. Yep, yep. So, y'all, I'm so excited. We have an amazing guest. You know, we come through from Toronto, talking mm -hmm. all the top sports and culture. And mm -hmm. our guest, y'all, get a pen, get a notepad, take <laughs> some notes. Fahim, please introduce who we got. All right. So, definitely for the culture, we'll be able to really get into what she brings to the table. Really excited to have her on today. Much of an influencer, especially on Twitter. So, if you're not on Twitter, maybe a reason to hop on Twitter and take her in. Let's welcome Iman Adin to the podcast today. Iman, Iman, Hi. Iman, you guys are too kind. Thank Iman. you. Iman. <laughs> Iman, how are you today, my dear? I'm good. I'm good. Coming off of a Raptors win. It's better than coming off of a Raptors loss, guys, right? <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, Iman, you know, I'd like to ask a quick question before we jump into the main topics. I think the NBA this year, you know, every year there's always a few teams that overperform or do more than we thought they would do, right? And I think before the season started, we all saw Victor come overseas, do his thing, and we all assumed teams would be tanking, right? People said the Jazz, the Spurs, Portland. I mean, we heard it all. But those teams are whooping and taking names, not from just any team, but from playoff teams. Please, let's talk about this, Iman. Are you shocked at Portland, the Jazz, and the Spurs, like, giving people the business thus far. I'm definitely impressed by all of them. I think what's, like, always important to remember, though, is players don't tank, right? Like, front offices tank. Players, they don't benefit from their team losing games and when Binyama coming in. Coaches also, they don't tank. They don't, they don't benefit from having losses on their record. So I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, by January – some of these players start getting injuries. You know what I mean? Like, I wouldn't be surprised if teams are holding them back um, because, you know, maybe there's some surgery that might have happened in the offseason that they're going to do in January um, or, or something like that. Because for players, it's like, why am I going to lose so that you can draft my replacement? And then I lose out on money and I lose out on minutes. Uh, so, so they don't benefit from that. They benefit from going out and trying to win every game. And I think that maybe some of these other teams that we expected to be good are kind of overlooking the Jazz and they're overlooking, you know, mm -hmm. the Thunder and all of these other teams. And so they, they get put on their butts pretty quick because they think it's going to be an easy win and it's not. Yep, yep. I think you're right. And, and also I think, so that's my thing, right? I feel like they underestimate the Jazz. The Jazz has a lot of length. They got a lot of big dudes, you know what I'm saying? Um, even the Spurs, like like Vassal is doing the like he is playing like a star, averaging 20 points right now. So I just think that to your point, our teams approaching these teams like, yo, we ain't gotta worry about it. We let's go and just and win, right? Because they, they assume because there's no star studded name, the teams are good. But again, this is the NBA. All these guys are playing in the highest level of basketball in the world. So the fact that you think teams are going to tank because you think they're not good enough, I agree. And I think some of these teams taking these losses are gonna it's gonna bite them in the bum when they're trying to fight for that play-in spot, right? <laughs> Last year there was a lot of one game, one games between from the eighth to the tenth. It was like one game differences. So, um, Fahim, what's your thoughts on these on these teams? Jazz, the Spurs. Like, um, even Orlando's looking pretty good. Like, they're not no 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 easy win either. Detroit's playing well. Pacers have had some big wins. What's your thoughts on these low-tier teams actually stepping up right now? Yeah, it's, you know, it's early in the season, obviously. Uh, I don't know how how sustainable it is for some of these teams, uh, especially like San Antonio. I really don't see much, like, past the All-Star break, I think, Remember last year with the Washington Wizards, for instance, they came. They're also no, doing well too. <laughs> they were they were really making noise, and people were thinking with the new trade, okay, this could be their year. And then reality kind of hit. I feel this is going to happen with a lot of these teams. In regards to what you guys were saying with the tanking, I get it. Um, with Victor looking so impressive, um, but you know her about Al Adam Silver just mentioned, well, hinted toward possibly a regulation if uh, if teams do tank uh, going down. 
Um, with something like that, that can really, um, th actually, that might be a topic for another time, just because <laughs> of the fact that there's so much layers to what can happen. Do I think Victor is the kind of guy you're going to tank for and possibly uh, run the risk of, of doing something for your franchise? I mean, he's a talent that you would think comes around once, once in a while, but I don't, like 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 Imam was saying, I don't think like players don't tank. If anything, it's going to be pressure from front office, which will trickle down to the coaches, which trickle down to the players. And you know, this is not the movies. I don't really think <laughs> that it's really like a GM or a front office person is going to say to a coach, you know what, maybe you shouldn't play this guy. I and if it does happen, I'd be I'd be shocked. How about you guys, real quick before we transition? Does do you think the reality that a front office person is going to say to uh, a coach, for instance? Uh, we're, we're in a tank, maybe sit a player. Do you think that's the re like, is that a realistic situation? Iman? I think it depends on who the coach is. I think, you know, if you're someone like Greg Popovich and you have your job in lock, then sure. But like, we can look at the Sixers, for example, when they were tanking, Brett Brown had a really short leash. And part of that is his record. And you look at it now and it's like, we're talking about his record as a coach. And it's unfair when you think about the players that he had to play for so long. So I, I think in terms of tanking, that always gives job security to executives because they're like, well, we got all these picks. We're going to do something. It kind of gives them a long leash, but it doesn't give coaches a long leash. And we saw that. Um, so I, I think, yeah, there's probably going to be pressure. I wouldn't, you know, we've seen it with the Thunder. How many times does Shea Gilders Alexander get shut down at the end of the season? Um, mm -hmm. So it, GMs are the ones who are tanking and they're going to put the pressure on coaches, but it, and coaches have to listen to their bosses, but it does depend on like the job security that's there someone like Popovich can afford to do it someone on a tighter leash they really can't but they have to listen to their boss so like, what's gonna happen I don't know no but I agree everything you say and to add on top of that I I do think like we saw in the NFL for those you know with the Miami Dolphins or don't what's the time what team was it I think it was Jacksonville or Miami where there was drama because a a, a the a GM told a coach to tank. And then we saw that black coach doing a lawsuit against the NFL and certain teams. That's because he felt pressure to tank. He was told, you know, do not win anymore because, you know, in the NFL, it's like the bottom team is the first draft, right? So there's incentive to tank. I think in the NBA, tanking doesn't guarantee number one spot. Like, I think it's like a risk you take. So I tank to be maybe top one or two or three or four or five. You never know, right? So... To me, tanking is not always the best. Plus, the more you win, the more revenue you make for your franchise, right? If if you're if you're winning games, I want to pay more money to watch your games. If you're we're losing games, ticket prices go down. The Raptors, y'all, our prices back in the day, no offense, but really low. Okay, we won one championship. All of a sudden, people are like, "Oh my god, I can't afford to go to these games." So, you know, at the end of the day, I, I think it's it's a business, and I think you want to win but you don't want to win too much. It's like, it's a happy medium. So I wonder when these team all reach 30 wins, what happens then, right? To Iman's point, are we going to now sit Shay because we're at 30 wins now? Whoa, whoa, whoa. We don't want to be top 10 now. Like, I just wonder what's going to happen at that point. But, you know, I think players want to win, right? They're competitors. Like, we all, we all play sports. Who wants to go on a team and say, all right, God, let's try to lose our best today. Like, no one will do that crap. So, yeah, it's tough, man. Honestly, like, and that's why with the whole shade situation, Masai is looking into that closely. We're all we're all told that. Before we pass out, do we want Shay? Are we looking? Do we want to get him, guys, on the Raptors? Iman, are you all for trading for Shay? Shay, um, for SGA, or do you think he should just go somewhere else in terms of his talent? I love Shay Gilders Alexander. Like, I'm such a big fan of his. If you can get a talent like that. I mean, certainly go for it. Uh, I think he's, uh, I just think he's such a young special talent and I would love to see him on a winning team and in a winning organization. He has great length. Um, he's a great scorer, which is something that we know the Raptors need. Mm -hmm. um, and just, you know, dynamic guard play. I'm, I'm a huge uh, Shea Gilders fan. All right. So you might said, yes, let's get him. Fahim, your thoughts. Should we get uh, Shay or what? I echo everything she said. Um, only one question. It's not even in doubt, but I just want to ask real quick, maybe both of you. Um, do you think, so do you think he's the number one option? Like, do you think he is a corner store for cornerstone, uh, for a franchise? Ooh, that's a good question. Go ahead, Iman. You know, he's, he is that talent, everything you said, everything, but is he, is for he me, a, he's a one B for me. He's a one B. Like if we can get, a, 
Yeah, I, th- I, I think he's a 1B. He think? can okay. be. That's a good point. I just think his injuries is my concern. He hasn't really been healthy the last two years. But I don't know if it's because they don't want him. Like, I'm not sure what that is about. But he hasn't really played a full, like, over 70-plus games. Has he? I don't think he has. They shut him down quite often in March. And I think, you know, he has dealt with some injuries. Certainly, he's dealing with injuries, yeah. you know. Right now. Even at the fantasy team, so I know. I'm always yeah. like, ah, I am. <laughs> um, so... So he certainly has a lot of uh, injuries, but they're, they're, they do shut him down in March. That is <laughs> most certainly something that they do. So when we're looking at the games played, it it comes down to them wanting a Chet Holmgren or them wanting, you know, whoever else they've drafted over the years. Um, in terms of him being a number one, and that's kind of what my piece is about, is like, how do the Raptors really get that? I think, like... <laughs> We have a team with Shea and Scotty in the future. <laughs> like, oh my God. That is uh, an elite, elite team. Right. So, so like, uh, what he can become, I'm, I'm kind of keeping that. I think the sky's the limit for the kid. Uh, mm-hmm. Superstar right now? No, but I, I watch him. I watch, like, the trajectory of, like, a John Morant and watch his growth. And it's just, like, that is an exciting player. What he is today, you know, was isn't even what he was last year when he was MIP and let like he's just been phenomenal to start the year and then last mm-hmm. year wasn't what he was the year before that uh despite sort of being a star in this league so was Shea he's a little bit older like 25 I think uh which is like not a baby in the league but also incredibly incredibly young and has been on a bad team so I'm willing to give him some more leeway so we can see him become the star that I know he is <laughs> yeah for me I think Shay like he can be an all-star for sure but you, but we know all stars are only decided by winning teams, right? You're not like roasting all star on a terrible team, make it to the all star game. So to your point, I think being in OKC and not winning is kind of detrimental to his trajectory. But that, that's why I really hope they do trade him or he leaves because I think they have a hidden diamond in the rough, and mm-hmm. I don't think he gets the recognition because of his situation. And I also think he'll be doing a lot better if he's playing around better talent. Mm-hmm. You know, more things to work with, which would obviously um, help him in his rise also. So most definitely. Come um, home, come home, Shay, come home. Sorry. Come home, come <laughs> home. <laughs> um, so Bleacher Report, they came out with their top 100 players. And, you know, it's a good list. Uh, they do it on the off season. They're not the only one. Other publications do also. Um, but theirs was a, a very interesting uh, just to the fact that they happened to highlight uh, there's five Raptor players that made the list of the top 100. Uh, I think it'd be kind of cool if we just went through uh, our thoughts on where they landed. Um, I'm just going to list out the five players, where they land, and anything you guys want to punch in. The floor is yours. So we'll go Pascal Siakam. He was the highest Raptor at 28. Uh, we had Scotty Barnes and Fred Van Vliet, both tied for 41. Uh, we had OG Ananobi. He was 61. And then Gary Trent Jr. at 86. Uh, you know, having four players pretty much our starting lineup. Um, five. Top, five, five. Sorry, my bad. Five okay. players. All, all the starters, yeah. <laughs> all the, yeah, all the starters <laughs> in the starting lineup. Um, thoughts? Start with you, Iman. I'd be interested. Um, I'm you. I'm always really down on these lists. I hate them generally, <laughs> and I don't like this one. Yeah, I don't. I don't really like these lists. I don't know what they're also rank. It's always like. Are you projecting what they'll be this season? Are you saying what they're at currently? Um, either way, like looking at Scotty and Fred Van Vliet, as much as I love Scotty Barnes, as of right now, Fred Van Vliet is still a better player. <laughs> like, Hello, um, he's an all-star. We want, like, what are we talking be about? an all-star just a season ago. So just like you. something as basic as that without looking at the entirety of this list. But they'll have, you know, a player like, Drew Holiday that we're seeing completely on the decline and so are you projecting because I would imagine Scotty is tied with Fred because they're projecting into the future but you have someone like Drew Holiday who's listed ahead of both of them and it's like he's clearly regressed into yes he's an elite defender but what we're watching on the offensive end is a Drew Holiday that is regressing and regressing at not a, a slow rate either quite frankly where he's just not able to do it night in and night out he's never been the shooter that Fred Van Vliet is but um also just like not being the scorer that he once was as well so it's just like I, I don't quite know um what the point is mm-hmm. in doing these things I never really understand them I think Pascal Siakam is way too low at 28 or is too high. Whatever it is, that's bad. I think he should be higher. I think yeah. he is 
Uh, a better player, first of all, Zach Levine is right in front of him. Anthony Edwards is incredibly young. I think they're projecting Bradley Beal. What has he done in the last few years to even, you know, like on the offensive end, sure, he can get you 30 points, but he can do that on the losing team and um, doesn't play a lick of defense. Why is he so high there? Brandon Ingram can give you a lot of what Pascal gives you on the offensive end, but with none of the defense. I'm um, just like looking at this list. I'm like, I don't quite get it. Um and I never forget it when they make these lists. They never really make sense to me um, because it's hard to rank a hundred players. What like not every single person that they um, ask is basing things on the same rubric, right? Like they're not weighing defense and offense highly, shot creation versus playmaking. They're not weighing them the same way. So you're not going to get a set rubric for every single person across the board. So someone, because generally how these publications do it is they have maybe a panel of people and they get each person to rank and then they come up with a collective number and that's how it's decided. And if every single person is not, not basing it off of the same rubric, you get numbers that are all over the place. Um, and so I just, like, it says Zion Williamson, his highest rank was 11 and his lowest rank was 53. Does that mean one person ranked him 53rd best player in the league and another person ranked him the 11th best player in the league? That sounds like a wild discrepancy. So I don't know. I hate mm-hmm. these lists. I'm never quite a fan of them. And I always think they put the Raptors a little bit too low. Yeah. So, I mean, you know what, guys? Everything Iman said, stack, right? <laughs> Cosign Nelly J. Uh, also, this tells me that all the experts they spoke to only watch Raptors once a year. Let's talk about it, guys. Honestly, there's no way you've watched more than two Raptor games this year and you put things Siakam is 28th. Siakam was destroying Philadelphia, like just embarrassing Matisse and all those guys last year. This man owns L.A. He hasn't, guys, he has not lost in the city of L.A. in his career. What are we talking about here? Like, how is he 28th? I just think that they don't watch the Raptors, so definitely, definitely ignorance is bliss, right? They'll go, oh, Raptors, they made it to the playoffs. Oh, they were this. Okay, this year, you know, Kevin Durant is back. Ben Simmons, definitely, they're going to be below those. Like, people just make assumptions based on the past, right? Like, like what Amal was saying, people's talent have regressed. We're seeing guys that we thought could will teams to win struggle, like sh- are struggling to even score right now. So I just think that, you know, it's l- like these lists are not meant for Canadian. <laughs> like it's like they, I think people there are mostly American folks who are, who are obviously ranking. I doubt Blue Chip Report has one or two Canadians on here, probably one or two that they ask their expertise. Because if you watch the Raptors, you would not put Scotty with the same as Friday. Like that's the most asinine. I was like, Okay, so they just saw Scotty Barnes with Rookie of the Year and go, okay, now he'll be the second option. If you think Scotty Barnes is the second option for a team offensively, what are we talking about here, right? So it just shows me again the Bleacher Report don't know sports, right? They're really good at creating agendas. They're really good at, like, they're really good at agendas and creating narratives and sharing information. When it comes to actually analysis, they're trash. That's oh. it. <laughs> okay, well, it all comes down to content. And when you make a list like that, it obviously gets people talking and creates conversation. So I, I understand. Yep, no, but I understand. Guess right. Don't defend Bleacher Report for him, okay? Let's, let's be real here. <laughs> they put Scotty Barr in the same like same ranking as an all-star Fred Van Vliet. Let's, you know what I'm saying? So clearly, you did not watch Raptors last year. You didn't watch us. And mm-hmm. even if you think, if we're predicting for this season, mm-hmm. look at our starting five. Why would you think Scotty Barnes is the second option? Mm-hmm. Come on, man. Come on. That's fair. So let me throw this then. So we had Pascal 28. We spent quite a bit of time on Pascal. I'm just going to throw out some real uh, real quick and throw out some players. And you just let me know who you'd replace. Like these, because these this, these players are ranked lower than Pascal. I'll name them out and just say you'd replace. Like, just let me know. Okay. So we got Pascal 28, Zach Levine, Anthony Davis. These are all, mind you, lower than Pascal. Uh, Bradley Beal, Brandon Ingram. All three. Everyone no, names no so lower means like like they're like they're ranked, ranked better. They're ranked, they're ranked better. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're saying lower. Every single person, every single person you just named right now. Everybody. Okay, so once again, Zach Levine, Anthony Edwards, and Bradley Beal so far. So those three all Pascal. Oh yeah, they're all from. below him. Yeah. Okay. Here we go. Brandon Ingram. So Brandon Ingram, I think, has really good talent, but but he's proven to me that he can perform in the playoffs like that. I'm sorry, Pascal has done it with Kawhi. Brandon ha- had Zion. He has CJ McCollum. You know what I'm saying? He has more talent around him. 
I'm just saying, Fahim. I'm sorry. Last year he was yawn. So you would go. You would go with Pascal over Brandon Ingram. No, I'm saying talent wise, Brandon Ingram is more talented than Pascal. But in terms of like, he hasn't he hasn't won enough for me. I understand. Also, has his Brandon even been on defense? And, and also, has Brandon even been on an All NBA team before? Like, for, forget that, Fahim. Has he been on an All-Star team? Has he even been... Has he won any awards? Has he been on yeah, an All-NBA team? Hold on, Defense hold, on. Or... hold on, you're dumping Amber Ingram. Hold on. So he I'm has not dumping. Been... I'm just hold asking, up, like, has he won up. any accolades? Let me let me just... So, he has made an All-Star team. Yes. Um, he had... Now, in regards to the All-NBA, I'm not sure if you just want to quickly Google he that. He has not won it. No, he has not. That's no, what I'm okay. saying. So, even, like... So, okay. that's what I'm saying. Like, to me, like, I think Brandon Ingram, for him to be, huh. like, again... I, remember, this is predictive, right? So his numbers. He's playing with Zion, JV. His numbers aren't going to be as high because Zion is back, right? So the, so to me, in terms of predictive analysis, I don't think this year his numbers are going to be as good as Siakam, only because now they have their full squad back. Okay, can I say So um, I just want to, in regards, forget the numbers aside, just in regards to players. I say he's more talented, yeah. Okay, right? so, so I said that, but yeah. who of the two, if you were to rank... Uh, do you still think you'd rank Pascal Siakam lower than Brandon Ingram? But but it, lower better because I would be, and I would specifically because defensively one is good and one is not, mm, and I really do think it. it comes to that. I think the gap between the two players defensively is wider than the gap between those two players offensively. I think Brandon Ingram is an insane talent. I'm incredibly impressed with what he's been able to do. His mm. pull-up three-point shooting numbers last year were absolutely horrendous. I think his three-point shooting numbers were worse than Pascal Siakam, and I'm still calling him. Uh, you know, I'm still saying that offensively, I'm giving him the the edge here despite that. So, like, I am giving Brandon Ingram full credit. I think he's that talented of a player. But um, I think the the gap between them defensively is far too wide to um, to put him as a better player than what Pascal Siakam can do. Because we saw at times Pascal is your can be your best defender at times on a Raptors team that is so incredibly deep defensively. I think that it's OG Ananobi versus Drew. We have guys, but last year, what he was able to do defensively for this team um, was was exceeded anything that Brandon Ingram has ever done <laughs> defensively for any team uh, that he's been on. Uh, so so to me, it's Pascal Siakam is a better player for that alone because for as talented as Brandon Ingram is on offense, the gap is just not that big, especially if his three-point shooting numbers don't rebound to what they were a few years ago because they've been bad for the last, I think, two years now. Yeah. Also, I want to add on top of what Iman said because I love I love Iman's case. On top of that, when has Brandon Ingram, like, like Brandon Ingram, like he hasn't been the number one guy on his team. Like, I don't think so. Zion has been... Isn't he was? No, but, 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 but even... But I'm saying like... And, and when in the playoffs... He actually he balled out. He actually like elevated his game that first round. They were they were they eliminated, mind you. But he he, I oh. think in that one series as a number one option, he showed more in the playoffs than Pascal has as a number one option. We're gonna take away the championship year when it was Kawhi well, and others. Okay, but with, but but I think um, the bubble year right? takes so much from him and Fahim. Like you're so hyper focused on the bubble year. No, you are. No, and, um, well, hold on, well, hold on. Last year he played How many years? How, okay, we're, forget the bubble year. He's had last year as a number one option. Pascal last year in the playoffs did not uh, play as well as Brandon Ingham last year in the playoffs. So I'm um, like, yeah, at any time, outside, outside of the championship year, mm -hmm. Pascal Siakam as a number one option has not stepped up and put in on performance like Brandon Ingham did last year. Okay, but he's still lost. Okay. So, to, okay, so, but, so, so, but, so, Brandon Ingram had better numbers, but, but, but I think Brandon Ingram, no offense, I, I, I think Brandon Ingram, again, offensively, his numbers are great, but again, like, I think you're focusing on the offense part. Like, yes, he has better mm -hmm. score, he scores better than Pascal. He's a, more of a bag, but I just think that on, on both ends, Brandon Ingram to me is not really a two way type player. But yes, I, I, I would say this, right? If Brandon Ingram was a better player last year than Pascal, why wasn't mm -hmm. it an all NBA team? Mm -hmm. I'm asking you, like, why was why didn't the NBA reward him with an All NBA team last year, Brandon Ingram for him? I don't have an answer for that. So, so, so to me, like, that's what I'm saying. Like, I, I think Brandon Ingram is very talented, but we've mm -hmm. seen guys that are very talented just don't can't take the team to the next level. I think last year our team wasn't meant to be a playoff team, right? We weren't on paper, but I think Pascal, how we played, made helped us 
elevate past that into a top playoff team. I think he was a key component. Even Scotty Barnes talked about how much Pascal helped him. So I just think that Brian Ingram is a great talent, but in terms of predictive analysis, if Pascal is able to do this with, with a young squad, I think the third youngest team or fourth youngest team in the NBA as a top, as a number one player, imagine what he can do second year. So I just think that if they're predicting best of last year, I think he's ranked too low, only because he was an All NBA team player too. Can I can I also just like add in here? Even looking mm-hmm. at their um their playoffs, I thought Pascal had a phenomenal playoffs against the the Sixers this past season, and I thought you know Brandon Ingram of course had a phenomenal playoffs, but we're talking about two completely different defenses, right? That, that they were both sort of going up against there as well. Their shooting numbers, I think, were on par with each other, but uh, Brandon Ingram did take more shots, make more shots. Uh, but like in terms of like their efficiency, I think they were just on par with each other. It wasn't like one was more efficient. Yeah. Actually, no, from deep, from deep, Pascal struggled and Brandon Ingram found his touch, right? But we're also using the sample size of what, five, six games as opposed to the entire playoffs and against completely different defenses. Who on the Mavs can guard Brandon Ingram? No one. Who on the Sixers can guard uh, Pascal Siakam, we've seen them throw Joel Embiid on him. We've seen them throw Matisse Seibel, some of the best defenders that can go on to Pascal Siakam. So I think it's unfair to like use that sort of five, six game sample size, four, five game sample size. I forget how many games the Pelicans had. I think it would have been like four, five. Did they get swept? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They got swept, right? So we're using no, four games. Not sure. Yeah, not sure. Uh, I feel like they got swept, but I could be wrong about that. No. Look it up here. Yeah, okay. I think um, the well, Pelicans well, may have won one game. The I Pelicans, think... oh no, six. Okay, so they won two games. So yeah, they won. Oh, okay, looking, yeah, at, okay, right. looking at the sample size of like six games still for both for both for players, both. Right, right. Um, as opposed to like the entirety of the season, I think Pascal Siakam, the fact that he made All NBA over over Brandon Ingram there, I think he, he did have a better season than him. Mm-hmm. And even if we're looking at that six game sample size, they're going up against different defenses. Um, and I, I think that that matters. It's not like Pascal played poorly in his and one played well. I think they both played well. Mm-hmm. Um, I will give the edge to Ingram for the three-point shooting alone, but in yeah. terms of efficiency, they were both really good and Pascal was going up against Joel Embiid. Okay, <laughs> let me throw... A major difference. Let me throw one other thing out before we uh, transition to our next segment. In regards to the dog, that's something that doesn't show up on a box score. But you know, it's like what's going on with the motor pressure, things like that. I happen to think that Brandon Ingram, he has that dog. He has that motor. Now, there's no way we can prove it. Like, you know, it's just not going to show up, but it's just a feeling you get by watching someone in under pressure. I want to throw it to you guys. Of the two, do you think that Pascal has more of a dog, more of that than, 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 uh, than Ingram? I'll start with you, Amon. Go ahead. You're smiling yeah. and shaking. Go ahead. I, I do, okay. yeah. And like, I okay. think you can see that on the defensive end, right? Like, I, I think mm-hmm. where when we talk about defense, a large part of it is effort. It's not like Brandon Ingram doesn't have size. He's incredibly long, right? He's he's a frail man, but he's incredibly long. He's got that. To have that dog in you, like, when we think about players in the league that have that dog in them, they're all great defenders, every single one of them. Um, right? Like, even when you just talk about players that are just defenders, whether it be, like, even when people talk about, like, the Patrick Beverleys, who, like, you know, can wheel their team to the playoffs and stand up on the scorer's table and celebrate, like, at the championship, um, or, you know, the the Tony Allens of the world, like, they're they're gritty players, right? The idea of grit and grind, the entire Memphis ethos was having great defenders. Uh, I think having that dog in you is defense, because defense is 80% effort. <laughs> um, it, it, it is predominantly caring about that side of the ball and going after it mm-hmm. so to me you don't have that dog in you if you're not a, an elite defender in my opinion yeah okay. I, and to, and to me like i think they're both dogs but different types of breed right one's like one's like a pit bull one's a rottweiler like to just be like like i think people define dog as one way i mm-hmm. think pascal is a dog but just because his dog his dog isn't shown like Brandon Ingram. Keep in mind, y'all, one's Cameroon, one's American, like two different types of people. So I, I just think that they're both dogs, but in different ways, to be honest. Like, I, I like to me, first of all, to freaking make it and be a starter in the NBA, you got to be a freaking dog. Like, to play at this level, you have to be a dog. That's why the whole dog thing, like, they're both dogs. But, but I can see why you may prefer Brandon Ingram's bark, but people are going to prefer Seattle's bark, right? They're both mm-hmm. barking. 
There's different, there's different sounds. That's all. Examples of barking guys. Um, okay. <laughs> all right. Nelly J, you know what? Let's go to For the Culture. For the Culture. We like to highlight individuals for the culture. And today, we get to highlight Iman Adan. Yeah, yo, yeah, yo, yeah. yo. <laughs> yo, so y'all, if you don't know, Iman is a huge, huge, not only basketball fan, but basketball brain. She works with Yahoo Sports. She's freelancing. She's a writer. She's also huge on Twitter. I mean, if you're if you're in Raptors Twitter, NBA Twitter, you better know who Iman is, okay? But only that, she's for the culture because she's someone that also has a podcast, okay? Podcast that's popping. They're the only I guess leading female fatale podcast called Dishes and Dime with their co-host. I believe it's Sandy and a few mm -hmm. other ladies as well. Mm -hmm. So Iman, we're so happy to have you on the show today because you're someone that we like to highlight. Because you're doing something as a content creator, but also a person of color, but you're also someone that has so much, invested so much time into sports and the culture. So we're happy to have you on here, my dear. Thank you. Thank you. No nice. problem. So guys, walk us through like your journey. Like, you know, when it comes to having a career path in sports as a woman, it, it can't be easy. So walk us through how you became or how you fell in love with basketball. Uh, yeah, how I fell in love with basketball. That happened when I was really young, just growing up in the neighborhood that I grew up in. We only cared about basketball and Vince Carter, right? Like, it was, it was, you know, Matt Sundin and Ty Domi. We didn't really care about them like that. It was, it was Vince Carter and what he was doing. So I was like six years old, maybe. Um, yeah, six years old during the slam dunk contest. So it was six. And, um... And that's like, that was the moment for me. I remember watching it with all the kids in my neighborhood. And like, we went to, we had Raptors ball at the local community center, Trinity Bellwoods Park, literally the <laughs> year after. And we were all there. And so like, for me, it was basketball became the thing that I fell in love with at a really young age. And then I got on Twitter when I was like 16, maybe. Mm -hmm. um, and was just tweeting Raptor games because my friends were like, shut up. We don't care about you talking about the Raptors all the time. <laughs> Uh, so I came online and that was like the only space that I could like truly talk about basketball in that way. Jordan, I don't know, Mr. Mr. Underscore Six on Twitter. Mm -hmm. He was the only other Raptors fan that was on Twitter back then. This is years ago. Wow. Um, <laughs> and, and it was only the two of us really that were there. And I was just was tweeting about it a bunch. And then like, you know, years later, sort of a Raptors community formed. Um, and it started to take off from there. But yeah, it was just it was just me and Jordan tweeting about the Raptors and everyone else telling us to shut up because they were, you know, fans <laughs> of the Lakers or the Bulls or, you know, whoever else. But yeah. So, you know what? There's so many people who are fans of basketball, but don't go into depth in terms of understanding the game, the, the, the perception of basketball, what goes into becoming a top talent. You actually care about all those things, the data and the game itself, and the behavior. So what made you want to do a deeper dive and walk us through that journey in becoming or writing about sports too? Yeah, so honestly, I'm a nerd. Uh, what it comes down to, like I watch The Wire and then I'm on threads reading about like the intricacies of like the storyline and stuff. So I feel like that's always just been a part of my personality. But um, I got into basketball forums because like I said, I was looking for a way to talk about basketball because no one else around me wanted to so and then once you get into forums you learn that there's like this whole other world like, I was like what is PR what what is TS percentage what does any of this mean um and so you start to like just learn about it from there and I want to say that finding basketball content was really really hard when I was young like you, you guys are doing like podcasts like this just did not exist um and so I went online to like really look for things because you couldn't turn on Sportsnet you couldn't turn on TSN and hear people talking about basketball and when you got online is when you were like for me I was introduced to like the basketball jump I don't know if you guys remember them they were out of Toronto now no mm -hmm. dunks and like 
I started to listen to them when I was in high school. And like, once you start to like, I was just looking for regular basketball content, but then because it didn't exist, only online existed, that's where the nerdy stuff was. And I was like, oh, okay, <laughs> this entire world exists. And and so like, I started to get into basketball, like blogs, like, you know, what Blake Murphy and William Liu and all these people were doing. And um, honestly, the first podcast I ever did was with William Liu. I was a guest a couple of times. And I say that, like, that bumped my follower count. I had, like, you know, 2,000 followers. I was like, what? What are people following me for about the Raptors? Like, <laughs> I should be talking. And, um, yeah, and uh, it was just, it, it just sort of continued from there. But I would say, like, in high school is when I started to, like, try to understand the game. I would talk to, like, my coach about certain things. And it's just, like, learning just sort of the basics of it. But then mm. learning the game behind the game. And then you come into the NBA world, and that's, like, a – it sometimes even feels like a completely different sport than anything that you're doing <laughs> when you're a kid. And so like wanting to understand that better. Um, and it was great that there were so many online resources that that went into it. So yeah, shout out to No Dunks and, you know, William Liu and all those people. Big up to them. I mean, what? So I, I really think it's all about inspiring, you know, the, the next generation, right? You know, I think us growing up, we didn't have the resources that they're having now. Like growing up, we didn't see women like our color on TV talking about basketball. They played, they were wives of people, but they weren't talking about it. So what is one advice or what is one thing if you can go back and say, wow, I wish I knew that back then. What's something that you can tell someone now listening that advice to say, you know what, if I knew about this particular thing, it would have been a lot easier for me. That you can just do it. I think that that's what it is that like whatever gates that you think are being kept from you whatever boundaries that you think exist they don't exist you know like it wasn't until Sandy put out the tweet and was like hey let's do an all-women's podcast that like I was like yeah I'm down to do a podcast and that was something that people were like asking me to do for years but it was just like I didn't think that I could I was like I could be a guest on people's podcasts and talk <laughs> I guess but like not understanding that like I could and even writing uh, was something that like I had editors being like, we we think you can write, and I was like, no, nah, like yeah, I used to write, but like I don't, and and them just being like, no, we think you can, and then doing it, and then you get to be in Slam Magazine, <laughs> and you get to be like just doing things and putting it out there and start freelancing and, and making a career off of it. That was something I didn't know that I could do, and so to like anyone who's like a young black girl being like, yeah, like a different world, no, you can do, just do it. <laughs> not to be like not to steal from nike but like that i think is like the best piece of advice is if you want to do this and just put in the work and if you're putting in the work younger than i started wait like super late i could have been doing this earlier and i like beat mm -hmm. myself up over that where like so if you have and it doesn't even have to be with basketball it doesn't even have to be writing about the sport i think it's just like doing what you're passionate about and people will find you and, you know, if, if you are passionate about the work that you do, it'll be good work and people will find it. I love that. It's so simple. Like you ask someone this big question about what, and you're like, just do it. It's like, yeah, like, don't think, just do. I think sometimes we can overthink ourselves or overthink to the point where we have, we, we get, we gain fear. Yeah. And we think, well, they accept what I have to say. Well, my opinions matter. But if you care and you're passionate about something, just do it. Don't worry yeah. about it. Just do it. Mm -hmm. <laughs> So you mentioned you, you talked to coaches, which is interesting. Um, you, I guess you, you played. Um, what level? How, 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 how far did Not you get? Not great at it. Not great at it. No. Um, <laughs> I, I did it for a while. Uh, up until about high school, I didn't go any sort of past that. But okay. um, yeah, no. Um, I'm, I like talking about basketball more than I like playing basketball. <laughs> um, I... <laughs> uh but yeah no I it was, it was a little bit when I was younger I started playing when I was around seven uh mm -hmm. with like raptor balls in the community and then I just you know school mm -hmm. teams and things like that but yeah it was... what started first with the love was it more was it just being a fan watching or did how much did playing actually affect your love for the game I'll tell you a question so I grew up in a neighborhood where I was the youngest and so like I didn't get a choice on what we got to watch on tv 
So if I was watching TV with all the kids in my neighborhood and my older sister and things like that, like they got to decide and it was basketball that they decided to watch quite often. Mm. Uh, like, especially if it was like, you know, the playoffs or, you know, all-star games and things like that. And so I didn't get a choice and I had to sit there and watch it. So I think the love of basketball came, like watching it came first just because it was fun to be with like, you know, your older sister and all of her older friends. And like, you have everybody kind of watching it. You just kind of felt like, oh, I get to be a part of this. Mm -hmm. So that came first. And then that was around when I was six. Like I said, it's slam dunk contest, really just being around all the kids in my neighborhood, watching Vince Carter with Toronto on his chest and Tracy McGrady, watching them do what they did and being around my sister, like my older sister and all of like all the older kids in my neighborhood and being like, yeah, like as a six-year-old, I'm like, yeah, I get to hang out with the 12-year-old and do this, you know? Um, and and so that came first. And then the following year, um, Trinity Bellwoods Park, that's a local community center uh, by where I used to live, they had a raptorball thing. And it was clearly clear that like the success of like, you know, 2000 Raptors basketball made a bunch of kids want to do this. So they started that program and that's the first time that I ever started playing sort of organized basketball. And that came afterwards. And that did continue it, but it was still like, I just wanted to be Vince Carter and Alan Iverson. So, <laughs> period. Period. So uh, also I find even like in getting introduced to you and your sound and what you bring, uh, you're, you've come across it very thorough. Even just in regard we the back and forth we had with the Brandon Ingram, uh, you actually took the time to just even find some facts. So it's it's more than just, you know, opinions and, and feelings. Uh, you like to actually give some hard proof. Um, but you also mentioned that you weren't sure at the start if, you know, uh, how you would do in regards to writing or in, in being on a podcast. I'm just wondering from the writing aspect, um, how do you, like your process, do you, do you find, first of all, um, it easier to speak like podcasts or to write? Because it seems like you you're very much a researcher. I, I don't know much about you like that, but I could tell by your, your style that, uh, like I said, you're very thorough. So research is probably a big part of it. But when you research, it makes it, I, I would assume, easier for you to form your opinions around your research. So if you can just really quickly, just uh, let me know in regards to uh, what you find uh, easier and just a little bit of something about your writing process because you're really good. Go ahead. I, I appreciate that. Um, yeah, no, re researching is a, is a big part of it. And it's something that like, I, like, I appreciate that you said that. I think that's like what I really try to do. Um, and in terms of speaking or writing, that's kind of always been the, the like, <laughs> the, just to give you an insight on the background of my life, that's always kind of <laughs> been like these two things that, um, you know, teachers were always like, you should write more and you're a great public speaker. Like those were sort of the two things that I got quite often. And like, I always used to say, like, I was a French immersion kid. So for me, I was like, speaking in French is so much easier than writing in French. Like, I'd rather do this. <laughs> uh, but then it came English class. And I was like, but I like writing essays. Uh, so that's always kind of been a question where people have asked me, like, what do you prefer? And I'm like, depends on what language it's in first. But also, like, I don't know, because there were two parts that um, I, I, like, I, I enjoy just sort of speaking off the cuff because like sometimes writing is a painstaking process for me where like um it requires it requires a lot of research it requires like a, a lot of sort of rereading what I'm saying and trying to find my voice in it and it, it becomes a more thorough thing where I think it depends if it's kind of um if it's something that I want to dig deep into if it's something that like like last year I wrote a piece that I was really proud of it was a piece on um, I, there was two parts. One was a piece on the Raptors and the Cavs and how they were um, sort of zigging when the rest of the league zagged by going with big wings for the Raptors. And just last year when the Cavs still had Laurie Markkinen going with their three sort of center lineup. And that was a piece that required a lot of sort of research. And that was a piece that I felt like I don't know that I would be able to coherently speak this. Mm -hmm. I think I need to get my words on paper for it. Yeah. And yeah. so so sometimes I come up against that where I'm like, I just need to get my words on paper in order to explain everything that's sort of, you know, going on in my head and trying to get this out. And it was the same thing with, um, you know, I'm sure you guys remember the Rachel Nichols situation. And um Rachel Nichols, Maria Taylor, and that mm -hmm. was another piece that I was I was really proud of. That's another like I would say if you ask me my two favorite pieces, those would be my two favorite pieces for Basketball News. 
um, that honestly I've ever written anywhere. And um, with the Rachel Nichols one, because it was as a Black woman sort of existing in this world, it was something that I felt very personally. Mm-hmm. And I knew that, like, whether it be, like, emotions getting the better of me when I'm trying to speak and not saying, like, crying or anything like that, but, like, it was something that I felt very strongly and I had a lot of thoughts and I was like, there, there's too much nuance that would get lost. I talk too fast. Sometimes my thoughts and my, yeah. my words cannot connect on this, that it needs right. to come out in paper. So I, I think there are certain instances, especially when it's a more long form thought process and there's too many things going on there, whether it be emotionally or mentally, um, that I would prefer to get it out on paper. But like talking is so much easier. So like, yeah, like it's just a shorter burst of things, you know. If it's just an argument on Pascal versus Brandon Ingram, let's let's talk that out. But yeah. uh, if it's something that's more in depth, uh, certainly prefer the writing aspect of it because it, it's hard for me to get all of my thoughts out in a coherent way. I got one more in regards to this. So, for instance, uh, in hip hop, like rap, Jay Z, he's been known to like him, Biggie, um, and a lot of rappers after they've been known to. Uh, have thoughts, keep them in their head, and when they hear a beat, match their thoughts to the beat. Like they don't, they don't write their lyrics down. It's like, it's not like a freestyle. It's a thought that they might have four bars, sit with it, and then make another four bars, sit with it, and then when the beat comes, they can match. They can pull back from a thought that they had from last week of four bars and put it to to beat. Reason why I say that is. You mentioned about, you know, sometimes your mouth is moving faster than your brain or your brain is moving faster than your mouth or whatever the direction is going. Um, I think you clearly have an ability to, like, you speak very fast, but you pack in a lot of words in that time. So I guess my question I have for you is when you're writing, um, obviously writing comes from inspiration. And you Iman, I don't think you speak very fast because I speak fast, girl. So you- okay. <laughs> <laughs> you good, you good. Go, go, go ahead, Fahim. Grandpa Fahim, go ahead, go ahead. <laughs> I'm just wondering, um, in regards to your writing process, uh, and it's often the inspiration, do, are you the kind of person who, if you, because no one tells you, hey, write on this, you have to be inspired and you think of whatever you're going to write. Is your writing process, you know what, you have this thought maybe, and uh, do you have this flood of inspiration that you can write an article maybe in one time? Or are you the kind of person to maybe have something, maybe jot something, leave it for a bit, come back? Or is it more of a longer process? That's what I'd want to know. It's a longer process for sure. Okay. For sure. It, it, sometimes, I mean, I, I've had, like, there, there have been pieces where, like, like, I wrote a second Curry piece last year, and it was just a, a thought that I had, and it was a thought that I maybe have had for a while, but I just started writing recently. So it was like, oh. I can get all of my thoughts out on this one thing because it's something that maybe I've been sitting with for a long time, but I haven't had the outlet to really get it out. So things like that exist where it's just like a rush of a day. But for the most of the time, if I'm writing a piece, it's 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 a painstaking process because I am just sort of taking down little breaks. Not to compare myself to Ho or Biggie is bad. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, not going to ever do that. But um, but uh, yeah, it's just, it it does work sort of differently, but I usually, like, I, I try to have a thought and come back to it and it's a painstaking process to get all of my ideas out there. But um, yeah, that's... that's so it's, it's a possibility it might take a few days maybe to write a, pro- uh, a piece opposed to just a day or two. Like it could maybe even a week, maybe. Yeah, especially because like, like I do try to be as... Re- like I try to pull things. I try to be researched on it. Mm-hmm. I try to mm-hmm. like have... Um, and like I sort of... How I write my pieces is it's very rarely like just an article. Like just straight. Mm-hmm. I'm typing the beginning. I'm usually just writing paragraphs and I'm like, oh, let me move that to the second part. Let me move right. that to the conclusion. Let me bring that there. And so like, because it's so choppy and it's just these thoughts that I have about like an outline of like, you know, kind of like basic, like English class, seventh grade essay where you have an intro, you have a conclusion, you have your three points, right? Like I kind of do that. Yeah. And, like once I'm actually building out the piece, everything is moved around and like whatever the structure was at the beginning, not at all what it is at the end. Right. Um. So because it's, because it's such a mismatch of thing, it does require, um, it does require some days. And like, because I want to go into it researched, maybe I learned something in my research that is actually not <laughs> what I thought mm. at the beginning. So now that point entirely changes. So it just becomes this like a, a longer process. I try to spend, you know, at least a week 
on a piece unless it's something that you know an editor's like no we need it out today so just quickly get, like, Yo, out. get it up you know what Iman <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy you broke that down because I think a lot of people probably have thought about blogging thought about writing things you know and they don't understand the the work behind it so I'm happy you broke it down y'all got some, yo y'all just got some free freaking tutorial you know what I'm free saying? Game, free, game, free, game. free game, free like, game. I, I will for, for real. Say, I don't know that that's great though. Like I, <laughs> I think that I, I think that I obsess a little too much over some things sometimes. That like it becomes too much of a process, right? Where like even this this last video essay that I just put out for Yahoo Sports Canada, that was something that is a thought that I had in it. Like that that because it's something that I feel about the Raptors mm. and it's something that I think about quite often. It was something that came out in very quick, very quickly. But then I start to get into my head and I start to do the research and like it became a week-long process that did not need to exist. It could have happened in a day. Um, and, you know, most of the editors that I have say, you're being too much of a perfectionist. Get it out as quickly as possible. But because, <laughs> um, you know, people do want quick hits. But, I know, uh, but try to, I try to take more time with it. Honestly, you're being too modest. Iman, you got 99 <laughs> problems. But that ain't one. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> you good, girl. You good. Um, yeah, a, a couple that I want to ask before we, you know, get off for the culture. Um, when it comes to Dishes and Dime, right? Um, talk us, tell the guests, you know, what the podcast, what is it about? What do you guys discuss? Please, you please, see my Dishes please. and Dimes merch? Yes, yes. Okay. I, I got to get one of those. Y'all, <laughs> yo, listen, yo. I, I'm wearing a Raptors hoodie right now, two five. Yeah, from, I love it. But yo, so talk about Dishes and Dime. What's the podcast about? What's typically y'all late in, in that podcast? Yeah, so Dishes and Dimes. Um, honestly, we're working on the the sort of relaunch, so we should be coming out with episodes every Monday moving forward. Nice. Um, but Dishes and Dimes started with um, it started with a tweet from Sandy being like, "Hey, because you know Raptors Twitter has a lot of really great women." really smart, really insightful, really funny women. And yet at one point, all and Dishes and Dime started, uh, I want to say like the year after the championship. So it started around December, 2019, like heading into 2020, January, 2020, I think it was like our official launch. And, and so um, at that time, there were, there were so many women on, on Raptors Twitter, so many smart, funny, insightful people Yet every single blogger that we knew, every single podcast that we knew was just men. Mm -hmm. And we were like, why? Like, there's so many of us. This is such a great community for women. Why are the only people speaking on platforms guys? And so we decided to come together. Sandy put out a tweet and basically said, you know, does everyone want to start a, does anyone want to start an all women's podcast? And there was nine of us to start Dishes and Nines. Um, and, uh, uh, nine of us came together and we re really dedicated to it. And it honestly, it was, it was so, it was so great to really see this, the support that it had because we mm -hmm. were sort of weary about women coming in and starting a podcast. The reason why it's called Dishes and Dimes isn't because kitchen is, you know, a common joke right. you know, <laughs> quite a bit, right? Like as much yep. as a digital task. We also like that was that's a common joke. Um, so we knew what we were sort of up against as women coming into this, but the the response from Raptors Twitter, the response from the NBA at large, uh, like NBA media at large, was really really positive. And I think that that showed that this was a long time coming and something that was certainly needed and necessary. And I want to give a shout out to Raptor Queens as well because they started around the same time. Um, both women's podcasts started at the same time. And so Raptors got, got two women's podcasts starting out then, which I think is really, really great. And the support and the success that really started from that took a lot of work. You know, none of us knew what we were doing. Our sound quality was garbage until we got our mics and, <laughs> and things like that. But um, yeah, we're we're like, what, three seasons in now, which just sounds wild to say. Um, and we we've everyone has kind of opened up a door into NBA media or Raptors mm -hmm. media in some way just because well not everybody because some people can say there's a lawyer she's like you got to take this <laughs> I've got to you know defend people in court and things but um, you know the people who wanted to pursue things here got writing opportunities podcasting opportunities and, and other gigs online as well so that's pretty cool 
No, that's dope. And that's what I like about it. I think it was a it's a safe space, right? For women to talk about sports. And I think, you know, a lot of times you rarely see spaces for women to speak and, you know, make mistakes. Sometimes, you know, we hear guys say the dumbest, sorry, sorry, men, but some men say the dumbest things on Twitter and people are like, oh, ha, ha, ha. A girl says it. This is why girls can't, you know what I mean? It's like, we're always so overly criticized, I think. So having a space safe, space safe to let space, safe space. space. <laughs> oh my Lord, can I speak? <laughs> uh, a safe space to speak and, you know, give takes, be wrong, but also have fun. Like I think, you know, there's so much space for women in the sports world. So guys, please check out Dishes and Dime. I, I, I've been following y'all since, um, actually Fahim found you guys. So I've known about y'all since 2020. Yeah, 2020. So I was like, oh, this is a cool podcast. Thanks, Raheem. So he put me on, y'all. You know what I'm saying? So, so so big up to y'all. And we're going to have links to their actual... Um, y'all are on all podcast platforms, right? There goes everywhere. So we're going to that. And I'm excited for your new episode dropping. It's dropping when, Sandy? Your new episode. When's it going to be dropping? So yeah, every... Month. <laughs> every Monday. Uh, so starting this Monday coming? or Yeah, coming? every Monday, every Monday moving forward, we're, we'll have an episode and we'll, we'll try to get special guests every single week awesome so y'all please check them out and of course you also dropped a video blog a vlog on twitter for yahoo sports and actually like you dropped a few but this one is actually was called um Ra no that's no the current one you just dropped was around i have here why the raptors will be a problem for years to come walk us through what inspired you to do that to, to that video video uh, vlog um, yeah, so I, I wanted to start doing some, some video content, um, some video essays, to be honest. And I think it goes back to Beam's question about, like, what do I prefer, writing or speaking? Mm -hmm. Sometimes I prefer writing. Sometimes I prefer speaking. And uh, and it depends on sort of what the hit is. And, and this is one where um, th this is something that I want to really test my hand out. And this is something that uh, I want to do more this season. This is like a brand new thing for me. So it's kind of weird to just, you know, be alone and talking in front of a camera like that and writing out a script for myself. It was, it was a weird process, um, but it was fun to do. And it was a thought that, honestly, I think, I think just watching the timeline and watching people kind of be upset that the Raptors didn't make any moves. And mm. people really sort of questioning what the direction is. And I just feel like I was sitting back being like, I, I think what the Raptors are doing is smart. I think what the Raptors are doing is good. And like, I think that sometimes we can get caught up in these other moves. We can get caught up in, in you know, DeJounte Murray and Donovan Mitchell and all these other moves that are happening and being like, why aren't the Raptors doing anything? And I've been a Raptors fan for a long time. I watched the Sean Marions and the Hedo Turk lose and, you know, all of these Girl. big splashy moves <laughs> that amount to nothing. And it's like, I, I appreciate Masai Jiri's patient approach. And I wanted to sort of talk about that. And also, I think sometimes you know, people look at things as though the grass is greener and they're seeing a team with all-stars and all-NBAs and it's like, look at your team. You've got an all-star, right? You have an all-NBA player, Pascal Siakam. You have a young, budding, you know, potential superstar in the future and Scotty Barnes. You've got so much talent here and it's like, it's easy to look at what the Cavs are doing or what the Hawks are doing, but there's a reason why the Raptors were the five seed and those teams are in the play-in. And they're working their way into the second tier, but the Raptors can feel like they're solidly already there. And, and I just sort of wanted to, like, make everyone calm down a little bit, but also really appreciated how Miss Ayajiri was building this team, and I thought it was an interesting way to look at it. Um, I yeah, and I think you're right, because I think a lot of uh, people make moves just to make moves, right? It's kind of like Brian when you're Calandra. GM in fantasy, right? Sometimes, yeah. like, if you're ever new fantasy, like, you know, you're in these long, these forever fantasy leagues, and just because I didn't do a big trade doesn't mean my team is not good. I think people just think you have to make a move to be better, but I think we did make some good moves, and we have pieces that we, we can move. So sometimes not making a move is a move. Guys, yeah. look at that. Sometimes not making a move is a move. <laughs> so That's I'm happy word. you broke that down for sure. So guys, we're going to have all the information. Please follow Iman, y'all. Do me a favor, okay? Take the time. Follow her. Mm -hmm. Support the podcast. We got to support people of color, the BIPOC community in Toronto and in sports. So definitely, Iman, thank you. And this is why you're for the culture. Most Appreciate definitely. That. Definitely a Raptor content trailblazer. 
Uh, no. Well, well, well basketball, not just oh. Raptor. Basketball content oh. laser. And also, y'all, <laughs> please don't talk smack about about Kyle Lowry in front of Iman. Okay. If you <laughs> want to be, if you want to be ripped, okay, beautifully. <laughs> Okay, don't don't insult Kyle Lowry in front of her. That's all I gotta say for him. That's all. Fair enough. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> all right. So let's close this out with this last episode, last segment. That's absurd. That's absurd for him, bro. What was absurd this week? What was absurd? Luka Doncic or his Super... mama? <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> wow, Luka Doncic is actually suing his own mother. Over a trademark, Luka Doncic 7, while his mother is regaining control over the brand and the trademark. Absurd. Wow. Family problems. Iman, go ahead, my dear. What's your thoughts on this uh, situation here? It's, it's odd and sad. <laughs> like, I don't, I don't, like, give your son access to his name. <laughs> like, mm. I don't. He's, I don't quite understand the sort of, like, I don't, like, I get it's family beef, I guess it's family drama, but, like, it's his name, it's something that he's working for, it's his trademark, apparently he can't, you know, trademark his own, he, he tried to do another version of it, like, I think just mm -hmm. trademarking his name alone, and basically right. the court said no, because one that's very similar already exists and your mom has access to it, so that's why he's suing her for it. And I just think that, like, yo, uh, you should have control of your own name. And maybe Miss Mama needs to release some of that um, because he's the one working hard for it. I don't, I don't know. It's a mess. So I get that. But think about this, though. This, yeah. like, she gave him the name, technically, right? Okay, okay, wait, 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 wait. Okay, okay, go. Wait, 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 hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. She was shooting in the gym. Hold on, Fahim. Was she the one crossing out, dunking on Pat Bev a couple years ago in the bubble? No, 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 Was she the one that worked her his tail off to be, like, listen, a name isn't a name without the talent, okay? You know what I'm saying? No one's trademarking Joe Small on the street. No one cares. Luca has built his own off of work. Guys, playing football, playing basketball, being a point guard at, at his size is not easy. He's been playing ball since he was like, what? Like professionally, 15, 16, yeah. playing against grown men. Like, no, his mama greedy. Hey, mama, <laughs> mama, you, girl, you're being kind of greedy. It's absurd. I get it. You did give him the name, but it's your child. So he asked you to register for him. You did it because you saw that he was coming up. I think he maybe was too young to do himself. Cool. I she think she's also managing him also. If, if, of okay, course. but fine. Okay. But that's your child. Like, why would, like, as a parent, mm -hmm. isn't, our, our, isn't our, our purpose to give our child everything that we have? Everything? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. to me, I just think it's absurd that as a mom, you wouldn't want to give your child the tools. Hey, I got this for you. There you go. Flourish. I mm -hmm. think it's very selfish. I'm sorry. It's absurd. Absurd. That's it. Mm -hmm. Mama Doncic. Absurd. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, if uh, hopefully this is not too close to what's already being proposed being like guess Luka, Luka Doncic 7 but I like Luka Magic Luka Magic should be good I keep hearing that and I'm like yo no Luka, not for no, me not, not for, me. for you how about you how about <laughs> you <Iman? laughs> Luka Here's Magic Luka Magic even if he does take that I still think he should get his own name like get Luka Doncic 7 <laughs> like you have both get it back like, man. you know what I mean like I just I, I agree with Nelly on like, I just it's his name. Yeah. Come mm -hmm. on, man. Fair enough. Fair you're enough. A, a parent's goal is to give your child the tools to be successful. Gotcha. <laughs> he's an adult right now. You know, you have to let him fly. And it, it, it's not like he's doing anything bad. Like, I can understand a parent sort of wanting control if they don't trust their child with the decisions that they're making or anything like that. But it's clear that you guys don't have a relationship right now. Not mm -hmm. something that you need to be working on. Not trying to control money in your pockets because clearly he's doing doing things without you right now and and needs that so yeah mm -hmm. it's greed is absurd come on mama don't you stop stop being greedy all right you heard it you heard it first <laughs> all right so nelly j let's put this episode in the book yes y'all that was the good rookie show yep so iman would like to give our special guest a chance to do a shout out so the floor is yours my dear can i shout both of y'all out Oh, no. of course. Right. <laughs> this is like... a lot. This is a lot of fun. And also, you know, the spaces I think are really, really great being because, you know, sometimes it's hard after a loss. I don't want to do a space. 
Like, I don't want to talk about the Raptors. Um, <laughs> I want to watch another game to forget about it. But uh, right. you know, I think the consistency there, seeing you guys there doing your thing, and also this podcast is really great. You guys did your homework on me. Oh, my God. Uh, so, like, yeah, no, I think what you guys are doing is is really special. So, uh, today, both of Fahim and Nelly J are my shout out. Oh, my God. Well, my shout out is, is quite simple. It's you. Uh, hello. Iman, I th- you know what? I always learn so much from you. Um, when you speak, I'm like, wow, like you're someone that I think, you know, is always like educating, but you're also spicy. I like it. It's a bit of like, listen, I'm going to slap you with this fact, pal. You know what I'm saying? It's like Shazam with the fact. Like I should call it, I got to find a name for a slap and a fact. Cause that is Iman, you know what I'm saying? But I gotta <laughs> give you a shout out because you're also welcome. And we first came on 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 Twitter, we're like, okay, this is a new space. We didn't know it, so thank you for always welcoming us in your space. And when you ran a room, always giving us a floor to speak. You're definitely a welcoming person, so we appreciate you, Iman, for all your support as well. And I want to just shout out all the ladies on Raptor Spaces. Big up to y'all, you know what I'm saying? Big up to all the dishes and done. Big up to Raptor Queens, every woman in Toronto doing basketball content, creating all that. Big up to y'all. But pass the mic to Fahim. Nice. So I'm with that also. <laughs> um, shout out to, like you said, Dishes and Dimes, Raptor Queens. Um, I do want to, like, when I first came across, I, don't, I can't remember how, came across Dishes and Dimes. And I was like, interesting, a woman, a woman's Raptor podcast. Let me check it out. I took in maybe about 20 minutes and I was like, whoa. And I immediately like text Nelly J and I was like, hey, you know what? You should really tap in, see what's going on over here. Like these guys are really about it, you know? So this is like, you know, some people make recommendations. Like this is a recommendation I can say, like, listen in. Obviously she's been here for an hour. So, you know, she's clearly someone who, who's valid. Um, tune in, Dishes and Dimes check on yahoo sports canada for what she's got Please going on support, also share retweet her stuff definitely, like you know what i'm saying definitely. make my girl go viral that's viral. right the, <laughs> the proof's in the pudding you know so uh iman you're definitely my shout out today and uh, it's great thank you very much for coming yeah. to we'll have to come to have you come to in the future because we know that uh you know you're going places and um it's nice to tap in early before it's <laughs> <laughs> Get out of here. Um, was that a pop or was that a bomb? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> I don't know what that was, y'all. That was that. supposed to be an explosion. It was, <laughs> uh, it was like... <laughs> <laughs> All right. Sorry. All right, Nelly J, let's put this episode in the book. All right, y'all. It's a good rookie show. If you had a good time, you enjoyed yourself, please like, subscribe, and tell a friend to tell a friend. Fahim. On all platforms, you know where to find us. That's a good rookie show. Iman, we appreciate you. And we out. Peace. Peace.